The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Uh, as you can see, they got some footage from our sabbatical and my family, and they kind of spliced it all together. Uh, hey, I want to ask you a question. Are we living domesticated, tamed, caged lives? Have we allowed fear, doubt, worry, routines, responsibilities to kind of pen us in, pen in our hope, pen in our purpose, and put chains around our lives. So as a result, we go through life caged, tamed, chained, domesticated, and every once in a while do we look around outside the cage wondering what life would look like in the wild. So I, I got to share a little bit about my sabbatical. I, I really don't usually take time during sermons to take a lot of time. I mean, I'll share stories, but not take a lot of time to talk about me. But since I have to introduce myself to many of you, uh, let me just take a few moments. Yeah, by the way, my name is Patrick uh, Grash. I'm the lead pastor of Lifehouse. I know you don't know that. Um, for those of you that have been coming for several months and you've never met me, hi. Uh, I do have a house full of kids. And uh, my wife, she, we've all missed you guys. So shout out to all of our campuses. Chambersburg, we love you guys. Classic, we love you. Leidersburg, we love you. And Wilson, we love you. And finally, online, can't miss you guys. We love you guys. And I, just, I really felt like it was important to say this uh, coming back from sabbatical, I want you all to know, we didn't, we and I especially, I didn't feel like I needed a sabbatical from you. I didn't need a sabbatical from Lifehouse. I didn't need a sabbatical from pastoring. I didn't want a sabbatical from Hagerstown or Chambersburg or our community. But I, but I did really need and really appreciate the time off from the workflow and the pressures of leading at a high level. Uh, we've led here in the community for 16 years, and hopefully, as you've seen, we've led pretty aggressively for 16 years, and so having a little bit of a break and a breather for a few months was amazing. And those of you that have worked for years and years and years, and you're jealous, hey, you know what? Find a way. I mean, uh, as a team and a staff, our elders are amazing, and they did craft a sabbatical policy so that after this many years, I could take time off, and we're setting in place for other pastors. But uh, it really was amazing. But I want you to know, one of the things that really stirred in my heart as I missed you guys, and as I was away a long time, was how much I love Lifehouse, how much I love our community, how much I love Hagerstown, how much I love Chambersburg, how much I love what God is doing in us and through us. And I, I just, honestly, I missed being part of it. it it's kind of, I, I don't, uh, I have family that were in the military, but I felt like I had laid my armor down and I put my weapons down for a couple months and I was starting to get hungry for the battle again. I wanted to get back into the fight and pick up my sword and get back to, to taking territory for the kingdom of God, pillaging hell and populating heaven. And so I've missed you guys. And so I, I got to share a couple stories, all right? So if you, uh, I did put a few things on social media, but for those of you that have no idea what's going on social media, uh, we did a car trip. So like we piled our entire family in our minivan, put a car carrier on top. It was insane. 
I actually the whole time was afraid that thing was just gonna go flying off. But um, we drove, uh, in the, just in the car trip that we did around the country, about 7,700 miles, uh, which, no, that doesn't impress you. That impressed me. I mean, it was re- the whole time. Every time I would reload the car, I was like, there's no way all this stuff's going to fit. I got, we would buy souvenirs and I'd be like, I'm telling you, we got to leave it behind. It's not going to fit. 7,700 miles. We drove all across the country trying to see all the national parks. And the entire trip, two of my kids, uh, Daniel, he, he's my four-year-old boy. He kept saying, I want to see a mountain lion. I want to see a mountain lion. And we're hiking through these national parks like out in the wild. And the whole time I'm praying, dear God, I don't want to see a mountain lion. I don't want to see a mountain lion. (laughs) And then Carissa, she's our 16-year-old. She kept saying, I want to see a bear. Like, I'm going to be really upset if we don't see a bear. I'm going to be really disappointed. And then we go in a country where it's likely you're going to see a mountain lion or a bear. And the whole time I'm like, dear God, I don't want to see a bear. Dear God, I don't want to. And we got little kids. And like many times I'm thinking, what am I going to do if a bear comes after us? Like, who's going to get taken and who's going to get left behind? (laughs) And, you know... Like, whatever. (laughs) Because there were some moments on the trip that there was some that they were going to get left as bear bait. (laughs) There was some, all right, you're coming with me. I'll rescue you, the rest of you. (sighs) If you ask to go potty one more time. And uh, so, so like, true story, right? Like, we see, like, like, uh, like, mountain goats. We see elk and moose and... I mean, everything. We saw tons of just crazy animals, saw seals um, in the wild, or sea lions. I don't know. I can't get them right. And it was funny. I didn't know this. The plague is still out there. Do you guys, I have no idea. We're hiking in the Grand Canyon and there's all these signs. Beware. Fleas carry the plague. Squirrels carry fleas. If you get bit by a flea or a squirrel, you're going to get the plague. Don't get the plague. And so this was like our joke the whole rest of the trip. Like, I don't even got the plague. And uh, so you don't want to mess with the squirrels because you're going to get the plague. And then, so then we were uh, at the coast and we saw these sea lions and we're walking around and, and like one of them started coughing. I mean like man cough. Like, <clears throat> and so we're like laughing as this thing is coughing at us. And then a piece of phlegm flies out and it hits one of my girls. And we're like, oh, no. you're going to get Ebola. And we're like, by the way, that's not making fun. If you have Ebola or if you're working in a country where they have Ebola, I'm not making light of it, but it was funny for us because we thought Rebecca was going to get Ebola. And uh, so here's the thing. Then we went to the zoo and we saw a mountain lion. And we saw bears. <laughs> and I was in my happy place. Because they were penned. They were caged. They were contained. And I didn't want to see them out there. And if you ask Daniel what his favorite moment is on our entire sabbatical, it was seeing the mountain lion. And my favorite moment was seeing the mountain lion in the pen. We saw big grizzly bears. They were fantastic because they were behind the pen. They were walled and I didn't have to fight them off. Um, And so it was crazy because a lot of the places we went, you would see signs that would, like there was literally signs that would say, you know, you can get close to the bison, you can get close to the elk. They will let you get closer than you should before they kill you. (laughs) Then they will charge you. And I saw videos of bison charging people and elk goring people and other animals 
taking out people. And so the whole time I'm like, kids don't get too close to the giant elk right there. That looks so cool. This is the best picture ever. Okay, step over there and we take pictures. But here's the deal, right? So you, all that to say, thank you. I so appreciate it, appreciate the time off. But man, it had me thinking so much. Which am I? Am I the seal that I saw at the National Zoo? Or am I the seal on the coast? Am I, am I a bear caged? Or am I in the wild? Is my purpose and my destiny and my passion and even my faith, is it penned and caged or is it, is it uncontainable? Is it a little bit wild? Is it a little bit, I don't know, dangerous? Is there anything dangerous about your life? And you know you're living in the zoo when, you, when your needs are met, you know where food's coming from, right? What do you get at the zoo? You get consistent meals, you're safe, Life is predictable. You're taken care of. You don't have to worry about the fears of the open ocean like you hear about, you know, like Finding Nemo or Marty. You know, he dreamed of the wild, but Alex the lion was like, oh, don't believe it. We, you know, he was like enjoying his steak and he was like, we don't worry about the wild, right? And I, I wrestle with that. Which are you? Which one is your face? Is your face penned up and contained? Or is it a little bit wild, you know, a little bit dangerous? Do people have to put signs up around you that say, watch out. You might be able to get a little close to their faith, but their faith might touch you in a way that will mess you up. Here's the thing. We like the zoo living because it's predictable. It's containable. Your needs are met. Things are Things are consistent around you. And, and yet, here is the challenge, right? The world we live in doesn't look at all like the zoo. The challenge is that the world we live in is uncontainable, unpredictable, even dangerous. Sometimes really dangerous, frightening, horrible things happen. And, and so then here's the conflict. Does our faith and our life and our purpose stand to the test of the world that we live in? Here's, we like the idea of faith, but we want to put our faith in a pen. Oh, we, we want to believe in God. We appreciate faith in Jesus so long as he fits into the cage that we've designed. We chain God in and then we pen him in and we want him to be predictable and do predictable, containable things. And so have we tried to contain an uncontainable God in the way we live, even the way we live out our faith? And so I want to introduce you to some guys that lived very much like us. These were individuals that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, spent an enormous amount of time for three years with Jesus, and even they chose the safe, caged, domesticated way of life. The story is captured by a guy who was there. His name is John. He's a close friend of Jesus, one of the disciples, and he captures the moment after Jesus died. Jesus has been dead now a couple days. And they all got together. And this is where the story is going to pick up. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week. Now, if you remember, the first day of the week has a really important meaning to it. Because this would have been like Easter Sunday morning. Right? So this is actually the evening. Well, by evening, they're aware that Jesus has died. 
that Jesus has risen. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So what are they doing? They, they've huddled together. They're safe. Their needs are met. They don't, they're, they're scared, but they don't have to worry behind closed doors about bad things getting in. It's like they're living in the zoo. They thought they were keeping danger and fear out, but really what they were doing was they were locking in the impact they could have. The world had them caged in. They hadn't kept the world out. They thought they were keeping fear at bay and danger at bay, but all they were really doing was walling and caging their faith in. But something happened to change the story, and so let's just keep going here. Jesus, so here they are, they're huddled in, locked in this room. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, demonstrating that he had risen, that he was really alive. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. Now, let me pause before I finish reading this. Some of you, you need to hear this. Some of you, 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 you cower in your house for fear of the things that are happening around you. You're afraid to go out in public. Maybe right now, the idea of going to Walmart or going out in public or doing this is scary to you because of the dangers around you. I'm not making like, please hear me. I, I've been away, but I haven't been aloof to the news. There's horrible things happening in society. And maybe what you need to hear right now is peace be with you. Jesus is present in the fire and the danger. Jesus knows when you're huddled up and he, he's counted your tears and he, he sees you in your sorrow. He, he's aware of your suffering. He, he's enduring with you in your pain and your agony. When, when your heart is breaking because of what's going on in the world around you, Jesus is present with you. He is speaking into your troubles. Peace be with you. But he doesn't stop there. As the father, literally the very next thing he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Then he gave them power to go out the door. In essence, what he does in this moment is he unlocks the cage and he says, now go, you're free. I've given you life to be freed from this cage, domesticated. Don't, don't mister, I'm not saying domestic life, okay? There's nothing wrong with, you're a stay-at-home mom, you gotta do domestic chores. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being domesticated. Wild anima, animals that are domesticated. And what Jesus does is he undomesticates their faith. He frees them from caged, penned, living, and doubting, and fearing. He gives them his spirit. He says, peace be with you. Now get out and go. And the point is this. Your faith wasn't meant to be caged or contained or isolated. You weren't meant to huddle up and think that you're keeping all the bad things out. You were meant to receive God's peace and his spirit. You were, you were meant that Jesus would step into the dangerous situations in your life, kick open the door and say, now go. You're free. Go live the life I've meant for you to live. 
And so what's your takeaway? I've been thinking a minute, I've had a long time to think about this. And so you're gonna be disappointed because I know your expectations are through the roof and I'm afraid I'm gonna disappoint you no matter how great the sermon is. And so if I bomb, you know, like, please come back, give me one more shot, you know? Uh, But here's here's the takeaway. It's this, live the adventure of following Jesus Some of you thought that when you believed in Jesus, or maybe this is what's holding you back, you're afraid that when you believe in Jesus, he's gonna domesticate you. He's gonna make you nice. He's gonna make you polite. he's He's gonna put you in a box and make you behave like this. And so you're scared of being domesticated by faith in Jesus. And so you've actually held back from following Jesus or putting your faith in Jesus because you think he's gonna box you in. And what you and I don't realize is we were born boxed in. We were born in the cage, but not just an animal in a zoo to be enjoyed and stared at. No, we're like penned animals headed to the slaughter. You and I were born caged, trapped in this horrible spiritual trap called sin. It's a, it's a spiritual place. It's not emotional or mental. It's not a physical trap. It's a spiritual trap where we are penned in by our own decisions, by our own desires, where our propensity is to go against God toward doing what we want. And the result of doing what we want is that we live in sin, driven by sin to not just death, but forever judgment and ruin. This is the horror of the life you and I have been destined to. It's what every person was born into. Driven by sin, driven by evil, driven by hate, driven by hurt, caged, contained, trapped. Trapped in their thinking, trapped in their emotions, trapped spiritually. And the end result of sin is this eternal judgment, but Jesus was unwilling to leave us that way, and so he intervened in our story by becoming one of us. And that story is captured by several different authors. Three of those authors lived with Jesus, knew Jesus, walked with Jesus. One of them, a guy named Luke, he only heard about Jesus. In fact, he wasn't really familiar with Christianity or even Judaism. He was an outsider, a Greek. And so when he heard about the story of Jesus by people who knew Jesus, he became curious and started investigating. He was a physician, he was a student. He was well-respected, and so he set out to investigate the story, the life, the teachings, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so he wrote an account after he studied, and in the Bible, it's called the Gospel of Luke. The second volume is the book of Acts. It's his account of watching and living in the life of people who followed Jesus. And he writes it out as an adventure story. Check this out. This is what he writes. This is how he opens his book. He goes, in, the, in my former book, Theophilus, so this is who he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. I, I like that he says all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, meaning Jesus is continuing to do and teach things. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen, and then he continues, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them after a period of, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So check this out. This is what Luke does. He goes like this. Here's these ordinary guys. And 
went to work, came home to their families, took care of their kids, met the needs. They lived this zooed, domesticated, caged life. And then they met Jesus. Jesus changed everything. Sin had destroyed them, and then Jesus freed them. Here is your story and my story. Sin has ruined us and is ruining us and is sending us toward ultimate ruin, but Jesus intervened in our story, became one of us, died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, and that's the point that Luke makes. He goes, what turned the story of their lives around wasn't death, but life. It wasn't just that Jesus died. It was that he rose again. And in his resurrection, he conquered the power of sin. He freed us from the fear of death. And he liberated us from living our entire life worried that our life would end in forever judgment. So that when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, we not only are forgiven of our sins, because sin died with Jesus, but we are given new life. And that, I want you to focus on that because here's the key. Following Jesus is life. Here, here's something I'm a little afraid of. And I've, I've, again, I've had a lot of time to think about it. It doesn't matter where you go and what you see and what you do. It doesn't matter what adventure you go on. Life itself is not an adventure. It's a tragic journey toward ultimate death. Oh, you can enjoy amazing things. You can, you can see things that look like heaven on earth, but let me share something tragic with you. When you feel like you're experiencing heaven on earth without Jesus, it's the only heaven you'll ever taste. But when you're going through a hard time and it feels like it's hell on earth and you believe in Jesus, it's the only hell you'll ever taste. <laughs> Following Jesus is Life. It's not like you're living this amazing life. And then you meet Jesus and you're like, oh, I'm going to invite you, Jesus, along for the ride. Jesus isn't coming along for the ride of my amazing life. My life was tragic and ruined and headed toward ultimate ruin. Jesus intervened in my story when I was huddled up thinking I was was keeping danger out. He shows up in my life. He speaks peace to my fears, peace to my doubt. He spoke peace to your storms, peace to your sickness, peace to your troubles. He spoke peace into your tragedy. But then he said, as I was sent, I'm sending you get out there and begin to live life for the very first time. You and I never knew what life was like until we met Jesus. Some of you, you're holding back because you think that you're living the life that you really want to live. And so you're waiting for life to take a dark turn before you invite Jesus in. You don't even know what life is until you meet Jesus. Following Jesus is life itself. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it overflowing. Have eat. I came that you might just not have life, but that you would have the kind of life that you're going to live in heaven right now. That's what he was saying. I, but I want, I want you to notice, following Jesus isn't safe. There's, a, there's this uh, line, if, you, if any of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Voyage of the Dawn, some of you have seen the movies. And in, in the book, there's, in one of the uh, books, there's a, there's a line, it's the first time that the kids meet Aslan, who is the, uh, the Christ figure in the story. And they ask one of the people that are with, one of the individuals that are with Aslan, is he safe? And 
they go, oh, no, he's not safe, but he's good. I want you to know this. Jesus is not safe. Faith is not safe. Living out the life of following Jesus is not safe, but it's good. He's good. Life is good. The journey he has you on will be good. And so our challenge is this. We have to trust Jesus. We have to follow Jesus. So I'm crazy. You might have no idea. Uh, Those of you that you don't know me really well, I'm a little crazy. And I will consistently do things that make my wife worry. So really, you, any of you see my wife, you say, thank you for putting up with Patrick. But, and then I bring my kids along with me. Now, on this trip, we did a lot of crazy hikes. And so there's a few times when we were like, no way, we're bringing the little guys because they're going to die. And so like, like hiking deep down into the Grand Canyon, we were, it was 100 degrees. They're like, yeah, we should probably leave the boys home because they're likely to jump off to see what would happen, right? And so me and the three girls, we went, and it was crazy. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. And we hiked up the Half Dome in Yosemite. Just, I mean, we just hiked everywhere and anywhere. And uh, Rebecca and I got a chance to climb our first 14, or those of you that are from Colorado or you've seen Colorado, in the snow with spikes in our boots and poles. It was a blast. We loved it. And there were so many times, though, in a hike when my girls have no idea where we're going. And I'm, in my head, I'm kind of not sure where we're going. I'm like, I hope this is right. And, but they trusted me and they followed me. Even when it wasn't safe, they know daddy is good and wants what's best. Daddy's looking out for us. And I'm nothing compared to our heavenly father, compared to Jesus, our savior who rescued us. When you follow Jesus, it's an adventure. And he wants to invite you to trust him no matter where it leads. It will not be safe. It will not be easy. Your faith is dangerous. Some of you have been up against difficult situations and you thought that it was not God because it was difficult. You thought this can't be God because this hurts. This can't be God because this doesn't feel safe. Faith in Jesus will never contain an uncontainable God and it will never protect you from difficulty and challenge and suffering and hardship. The scriptures are filled with the agonies and pain and tragedies and suffering of those who believe in and follow Jesus because faith in Jesus isn't safe. It's just good. And our responsibility is to surrender and say, okay, peace be with you. Now go. Live the life of faith. Now what does that mean? Well, here, here's Jesus. But you will receive power. So so Luke is recording this and he talks about the moment where Jesus rises from the dead and, and the resurrection life is what transforms these cowards with courage. You can have comfort or you can have courage, but you can never have both together because you're gonna have to choose in faith whether you're gonna live a life of comfort, courage. Jesus says then, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'm gonna unpack this a little more in a future sermon, but for today, what I want you to really take away from this is this. Live the adventure of sharing and showing the love of Jesus. The reason our church, the reason Lifehouse exists is to share and show the love of Jesus with people far away from God. 
and I didn't make that up. We didn't just come up with a catchy phrase. We borrowed it right from the stories of Luke about the early church telling the story of what it looked like when you believe in Jesus and you have God's spirit in you and how you begin to go out and change the world. Let me, let me tell you what happens from that moment. These followers of Jesus, they begin to lay hands on sick people. Some of them are healed, some of them are not. They lay hands on dead people, some live, some don't. They pray for people who have demons in their emotions and demons in their mind and real demons in their spirits. Some are freed, liberated by the power of God. Some of them are burned at the stake and killed by animals. Some of them are tortured and persecuted for their faith. Some of them are freed and travel around the world sharing the love of Jesus with other people far away from God. They start churches, they meet in homes, they meet in catacombs. They meet in synagogues. They begin to build churches after the first century. They begin to erect their own structures where they gather to worship. They build hospitals. They adopt orphans. They care for and feed widows. They reach out to the hurting and the broken. And as a result, over 2,000 years later, the world is dramatically different because the church lived the life of following Jesus. It was a dangerous adventure. And so here's our challenge. You and I, I can live a caged life. Even in faith, I can live a predictable, penned up faith, or I can choose a life of dangerous, even wild adventure of following Jesus. It'll be risky. It'll be scary. There'll be moments when you have no idea where you're going and what you're gonna do, how you're gonna meet your needs, but you're not leading, you're following. And so my challenge to you is this, are you willing to live the adventure of simply following Jesus wherever that leads, whatever it costs, whatever suffering and challenge you have to endure? whatever you have to give and in whatever way you have to serve, in whatever way you have to give of yourself, this isn't an adrenaline rush like climbing a mountain. In fact, it's not about you or me at all. It's about Jesus and surrendering our life to Jesus. But let me be very clear. You, without Jesus, are not truly living life. You're headed toward eternal death. And so the challenge I have for you is this, would you be willing right now, if you do, have not yet believed in Jesus, would you be willing to put your faith in Jesus? And if you believe in Jesus, is it dangerous? Is it an adventure? Is it costing you? So let me invite you to respond. I, I wanna, all of our campuses right now, Chambersburg, Leitersburg, Classic, Wilson, online. If you have not yet made a decision for Jesus, can I encourage you to pause right now? I want all of you, would you just close your eyes? If you are ready to make that commitment to putting your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know you're not inviting Jesus into the amazing life you've been living. You acknowledge that your life is ruined. It's being ruined, headed toward ruin. And you're asking Jesus to step in, rescue you because he conquered death and is alive, but you're ready to make that commitment right now and say, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna ask you to take a dangerous step by simply slipping up your hand right now and saying, yeah, that's me. 
Yes, I'm willing to put my faith in Jesus Christ right now at all of our campuses. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? You're ready to say yes to faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of what it costs, regardless of the challenge, regardless of the future. You're willing to say yes to Jesus, allowing him to forgive you of sin, allowing his spirit to come into your spirit, giving you new life and eternal life forever. If, if you've raised your hand, I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, thank you. You came to die, to rise again, to conquer sin, death, and eternal judgment so that those who believe in you right now, those who are raising their hands saying yes to you, they, like I've experienced, can be freed. Freed from the cage of sin, freed from the chains of bondage, liberated from the things that haunt us and hunt us so that we can live the life of the adventure you've called us to. And so we simply say right now, thank you, Jesus. We receive your spirit in our lives, and now we, we're ready. We're ready to live the adventure of life through faith in Jesus. And we say this now in Jesus' name. Would you say it with me? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.